You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another series of Flip Muffler Podcast. We have been doing this consistently this whole year, which is getting someone who is amazing doing their own podcast and actually taking some of the best of the best and putting it up here. So with me today is Sanjana, who's with Hippo Video, and she has an incredible podcast of her own that they've been running for some time, and they're going to reach, uh, I guess, up to 100 uh, by the end of this year or so. So she's going to take top 10 episodes of her podcast and putting it for us. So Sanjana, thank you for doing that, and welcome to Flip My Funnel. Thanks, Sangram. Uh, it's an absolute honor to replay some of our episodes on Flip My Funnel. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what is the series called and who are some of the folks that people can expect to listen from? Sure. So my series is called Limitless. So uh, as the name Limitless implies, uh, our podcast episodes unveil uh, limitless possibilities for sales and marketing folks. Uh, they contain valuable lessons from uh, thought leaders in the industry, uh, starting from you, Sangram. Uh, then we have uh, Morgan Ingram, John Barrows, Jeb Blend, Amy Franco, Tiba Shanto, uh, to name a few. And uh, the topics vary from uh, sales prospecting, uh, personalization, video selling, sales strategies. And then we go into uh, social selling, personal branding, and so on and so forth. Like, for example, uh, Sangram, you and I spoke about uh, how to lead like a modern CMO. And uh, my co-host, Nikhil and Vivek, spoke to Morgan on how to prospect enterprise accounts and with uh, John Barrows on how sales trips can build their personal brand. And wow. there are also uh, other interesting episodes on video selling and how to win deals with videos. So I always try to pull out, you know, actionable tips from the leaders when I interview them. So I would love it if people give it a listen. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to listen to some of them myself now that you gave a little bit of teaser there, Sanjana. Again, thank you for, for this. All the information about your episode links will be in the show notes as well. So let's give it a listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another weekly episode of Limitless Podcast, a place where we bring you the global leaders in sales and marketing. My name is Vivek and I'll be your host today. Today, we are speaking with Marcus Chan, the founder and president of Ben Lee Consulting Group. In his 14 years of working in corporate America, Marcus has hired, coached, and mentored more than 100 employees for a 6.8 billion Fortune 500 organization. And as the regional sales director, he was consistently recognized nationally as one of the top leaders in the organization every single year as a result of his fortunate business success, fueled by a little luck, a lot of hustle, and plenty of mistakes. Here are a few other notable accomplishments of Marcus. Marcus was promoted more than 10 times in 10 years with two Fortune 500 organizations that are number one in their respective industries. He was consistently ranked in the top percentile in every role he has ever been in. Marcus and his team have sold more than 700 million worth of deals over the last 10 years. He has sent 50 plus of his employees to President's Club and the Diamond Club. He has also promoted 30 plus employees to leadership roles to such as sales managers, directors, and senior sales roles. Hello, Marcus. Welcome to Limitless. Hey, everyone. Super glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. No. 
Uh, so let me tell a bit about Marcus. Marcus is the founder and the president of Venley Consulting, a sales and coaching and consulting company that specializes in B2B sales. Marcus's story is uh, quite an interesting and an inspiring one too. Marcus is whom you call a natural ball salesman, if I'm not wrong. Uh, <laughs> so born to immigrant parents who moved to the US, he put himself through college. He had his first multi-million business uh, when he was 22. Then he went to work on, for two Fortune 500 companies, leading a sales team of 100 plus. Then having to manage sell 700, six, 700 million plus in sales in the last 10 years. You got it. Yeah, uh, it's better if you tell about like your story, where you started. Uh, and in fact, you started as a chef, right? Yeah. So yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. So um, I mean, I, I grew up, my, my parents, uh, they came to America a long time ago, right? Late 70s, early 80s, nobody would hire them. So they started their own restaurant. So growing up, I grew up in the, in the restaurant working in every asset from a dishwasher, washing dishes, cleaning tables, working with customers, everything to cooking in the kitchen. All right. And, uh, and that was really kind of my last role there. But what ended up happening was eventually my parents sold the business, right? So they kind of do a little bit of it still. But from there, I had to go, I was in school still, and I had to go get a job, right? And I was working part-time different roles. And while I was going to school, I actually started working for a company. And it's actually in the US. It's, that's actually the largest rental car company in the world, Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And I was there as an intern. I worked there for a couple of years as an intern. That was a great experience early on. And then when I graduated, they had a brand new startup division. It was all B2B sales, right? They had zero customers, zero contracts, zero anything. But the way the business was designed, because they were hard assets, we were losing money every day that we didn't have clients. So they said, hey, we want you to go grow this business. So I was pretty fortunate. I had no experience at all. I had to go out and get get new contract. And if you remember, this, this timeline is about 2007, 2008. So the economy was taking worldwide. Yeah. So businesses were shutting down and, uh, you know, I had a very small territory, but I was very fortunate to grow into a seven-figure business, right? And from there, I could promote it multiple times through multiple seven-figure operations. Uh, you know, I was running, uh, running different teams. Uh, we, were, we were recognized across the whole company uh, for a lot of different awards. From there, I went to a new company called CentOS Corporation. And that's also B2B sales as well. And I was there for almost nine years. Uh, also a Fortune 500 company, right? And uh, so uh, I did B2B sales there. I got probably be a sales manager for them. Uh, very quickly, had a lot of success with that. I took over their worst team. Uh, we were the worst team in the worst region in the company. So we're the worst t- team in the whole company, right? Mm-hmm. And the company at the time was about a $5 billion company. So did that, took our team to the top. Uh, got promoted to be a regional director in four and a half years. Uh, from there, uh, I, ran, I ran a sales organization, about 110 employees across uh, multiple states. We did about 200 million a year plus in sales. I did that for about uh, three and a half, four years. Lost success of that. Took our team to the top as well. And then from there, I left corporate America this past year. And I started my own company where I work directly with businesses, sales professionals, helping them be absolutely amazing in sales because I see it as a major gap. No matter wherever you are, most companies do not provide sales reps, the tools to be successful. So uh, here I am today talking to you as a result. Oh, brilliant then. Yeah. Uh, so uh, today we'll mainly focus on uh, selling to the C-suite, the Absolutely. biggest nightmare most probably like most of the sales professionals might have. Sure. So what is it about selling to the C-suite, Marcus? Like why is it so difficult? 
Yeah, you, you know, I think um, I think the, uh, the reason it's it's difficult is number one, first people are scared of it. That's the first piece. They're very scared of it. They're very scared of the concept of it, right? That's the first piece. The second piece is most people when they start out in sales, they're not selling the C-suite. Okay, they're selling to the SMB market, the small, medium-sized businesses, right? And those ones typically, it's easy to get hold of the decision maker, right? Like you know, like if you were to physically walk in into a decent sized business, like it's, if it's an SMB business, you could probably encounter the owner, you know, the, the vice president, the CFO much easier, right? Um, in, a, in, a, in a large enterprise you know, situation, let's just say if they are a hundred million dollar year org, chances are very slim, right? I mean, there's way more levels, et cetera. So that's the first piece is there's more levels to kind of fight through. The second piece is, is also, um, some reps try to use the same approach. You know, you can't, <laughs> you know, you can't, right? So for example, they might say, hey, I'm going to cold call, uh, 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 you know, a small SMB CEO on the phone mm-hmm. and try to close them on the phone. Yeah, you might do that with an SMB account, but you're not going to do that with an enterprise account. There's no way, right? I mean, maybe a very, very rare chance it happens, but it's very rare. So that means you have to have, you have to be um, more tenacious, more organized and more creative and get in the door. And then on top of that, once you're in there, you might need to navigate and work with eight to 10 people, if not more, to get that deal done, mm-hmm. right? And, and a typical rep who is just good at sales, if they're not good at managing those details and, and nurturing every part of the sale, mm-hmm. it's really hard to close it because in those enterprise situations, if they're working together to make a decision, well, if they're not all on board, they're not going to go with you. Yeah. So it's just more complex. It's more, it's more, it's like you have more plates to juggle, right? That's what you do. But if you can juggle them all, the payoff is obviously larger and the revenue dollars are much larger too. Yeah. Uh, so as you mentioned, when it comes to enterprise sales, uh, there are what, 6.5 to 10 buyers, depending on Forrester or Gartner, what is real. Uh, yep. But say, for example, I'm starting with an enterprise account for the first time. And yep. I have to reach out to multiple stakeholders. Yep. Uh, you know, it's hard to elaborate the complete strategy now, but like if you want to tell something to those people who are starting out in enterprise sales, especially mm-hmm. dealing with multiple stakeholders, what is the yep. best way you think they should approach it? Yeah, in terms of like who should they approach first exactly. within the account? Yeah. So it, here's where it gets a little tricky, right? Where mistake, and, and it's actually, there's a, a, a guy named Brian Burns. He actually does a very, very funny parodies. He has a brutal shit about sales. Uh, podcast, but you know the mistake is a lot of times, even in an enterprise situation, they don't even know how to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Okay, like they don't even understand that, right? They're like, oh, uh, they think it's one person, but it's actually multiple people, right? So it depends on what you're focused on first. Okay, because here's reality, right? Yeah, could you call the CEO and get pushed down? Yeah, maybe, right? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> right? But depending on the size of the business, that may not make sense. Mm-hmm. So you may want to segment by department. Okay. So for example, like for me, if I'm selling to, a, uh, you know, into a, a fortune, like, you know, 500 business for sales training, well, I probably want to start maybe their senior vice president of sales in that department. Right now that might go up or down. Right. But that has the highest likelihood of him, him or uh, him or her having control on navigating the sales cycle. Right yep. now that senior vice president of sales may not be the right person, but they may push me to the next level. Maybe it's a VP of selling to get with right? And maybe they have 10 sales VPs they want me to work with, right? And maybe there's also a national training director, who knows, right? So it depends on the org. 
And that's where it's, it gets a little tricky where you can't always depend just on title. And that's where it gets hard sometimes where, you know, if, um, if your organization is buying data, right, which many companies are buying data, but the data is wrong. Yep. Right. Most tough into this. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to call this person who's going to be the, who's supposed to be the, you know, the CSO. Well, they were a year ago. Now they're at some other company, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, and that's where it's, there is no necessarily like right answer, right? But it's, it's taking the data that you have and try and go to the highest level possible in the decision-making process that you have for the enterprise sale, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you could start at the bottom and try to work your way up. For example, and, and when I think about it this way, here's how I think about any enterprise sale. There's typically four types of decision-makers, okay? And there can be multiple, multiple ones of each, okay? So that's kind of how they categorize, right? There is the economic buyer. There's usually only one person that's an economic buyer. This is the only person that can say yes. Like if, if everyone else wants to choose you, they can also change, say, no, we don't want to use you. So say, for example, let's just say you're trying to sell a, you know, a SaaS, you know, some sort of software to them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's a $10 million project for the year. They could say this economic buyer could say, you know what? Actually, we're going to take $10 million that was designed for the software. And we're going to use it to buy hardware instead. They can completely change it. Okay. So that's the economic buyer. So you want to know who the economic buyer is. Ideally, you are reaching out to them first. Then you have the technical buyer, right? The technical buyer, they can't say yes, but they can say no. And they're the one that really judges the criteria. Okay. So depending on some organizations, that could be a CFO, mm-hmm. that could be a purchasing director. Okay. Might be a purchasing manager sometimes. All right. Um, there might be, there's probably multiple ones, right? Then there is uh, the user buyer, people actually using the products, right? And sometimes that's always a really easier way in to get, again, to get the foot in the door of the enterprise sale, right? Especially when you're new, where it's like, okay, who's, who will be using this stuff, right? Or maybe the managers of the people using the stuff. Because then from there, you might work, work your way up. But if you do that approach, you have to be aware, yeah, it might be easy to get an appointment. But you have to be really good at navigating the cycle to make sure these other two are really bought in. Mm-hmm. Or your sales cycle will really elongate. Does that make sense? Yep. Right? Makes so, sense. and then uh, the fourth one is going to be um, uh, a coach, right? And that's someone usually within the business that wants your organization to win, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones helping you navigate. They'll tell you, they can help you navigate the cycle and say, hey, listen, like you're me and the wrong people. You have to meet with so-and-so to get the deal done. So uh, that's really key for understanding that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, so yeah. if I have to sum it up, it doesn't matter. You start top down or bottoms up, but uh, you need to make sure you get all the four different people on board. Yeah. And it's more of a trial and error and you find the right way to get it. That's right. That's right. Because every industry is a little bit different too, mm-hmm. right? And every org size is a little bit different. In the perfect world, you start at the highest possible level mm-hmm. of who, who ultimately makes the decision. And then you can go down. It's usually always, it's easier to go downhill than uphill, mm-hmm. right? But in some situations though, and that's where you have to be a little flexible, right? Where you may have to start at the ground level and work your way in. For example, yes. I've gotten deals where, um, you know, in my prior companies where um, we started the sales department. That's how we got in the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually we'd have the operational people, right? So mm-hmm. we get the sales department to go back door in because they help us navigate the cycle. Yeah, that's really silly. You got to get creative. You got to get creative, right? It just, yeah. every deal is different. So you can't assume it. And that's where it's like, um, 
you can't always say, hey, if you do A, B, and C, you're going to get the deal. Well, your chances are more likely, but there's no guarantee because every business is different. So, okay. Now, I want to reach out to the topmost person person in an organization. Uh, And if I have to uh, say, put it plainly, all I have in terms of touch point is either a phone call or email. Maybe I meet him at an event or a direct mail. Yeah. So uh, after a while, it kind of gets monotonous. Uh, so same email going again and again, same phone calls, voice messages, like, and especially being a C-suite, you get uh, hundreds of calls every day and emails oh, yeah. every day. Yeah. So how does one stand out of the crowd? Yeah, yeah great question, right? And what's interesting is, is um, you know, I think with the C-suite, they actually probably get less calls than anything else, mm-hmm. right? They get a lot more emails, right? We live in an email-heavy world, right? So there's a couple of things I think is really important, right? So number one, um, regardless of whichever outreach uh, medium you're going, right? Whatever channel, are you, are you uh, here's a mistake many people make. Let me back up. The mistake many people make is regardless of the channel, they try really hard to pitch. Mm-hmm. And they don't want that. Like, if they get a really long email, they're not going to read it, okay. right? If they have a really long voicemail, they're not going to listen to it. If they get a really long sales letter mailed to them, they're not going to read it. Okay. So what you think about is number one, the messaging has to be very simple and very direct. Okay. And then number two, um, being creative, it can really help you a lot being very creative. Okay. And that's where it's like, even with the email and you, and you have to add some customization to it. Okay. So for example, the mistake I see, see some people make is they take a copy and paste template and they email it to a C-suite exec, hoping to get an appointment. You probably aren't going to get an appointment, okay? It's just not going to work. But if you, if you customize a little bit, right? So, for example, if, if they were to pitch something, it sounds something like this. So, they might say, the subject line could be anything. It might be like partnership, something stupid that they don't care about, right? <laughs> and they might write in there, you know, like, you know, like, you know, hi, Billy, you know, like, you know, I, I, saw, I, I saw your company, you know, you guys use so-and-so X, XYZ vendor. We want to work with you too. You know, we have this feature, this benefit. Here's some of our customers. We want to work with you. Let's have a time to come meet with me. No response. Yep. Versus you customize a little bit, right? And if and in there, you do a little bit of research in advance and you, you uncover that maybe um, they just recently won an award for something, right? Maybe they were, I don't know, one of the top, you know, they're, uh, they're one of the Inc. 5,000 5, fastest growing companies, right? And they're number 4,900, whatever. So you recognize them for that. You know, like, hi, John. I saw that you recently got received this award. That is so admirable and incredible. That is, that's an incredible achievement. You know, I do work with quite a bit of businesses just like yours to provide this top-notch service. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're open to it, I'll love to just chat for a few minutes. That's it. Very simple. No crazy long pitch, right? Now, you can get more creative by being funny if you want, right? Um, me, I'm a simple guy. I, I keep mine very simple, right? And then you have different, different outreaches, okay? So it's like you have a phone call, right? Then you have a cedar piece. So the key is, is you can't just have one approach. Because mm-hmm. if you because the mistake I see, because I get them, I'll get the same email sent to me like 10 times in a row, which is slightly different each time. I'm like, I'm still deleting them. Like, yep. you're, you're not capturing my attention, all right? Um, so I'll give you an example, right? So for my business, right, the way, I, you know, like all my business has been organically growing, right? And it's all been mostly LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been, been an automatically generating leads for me, right? Mm-hmm. And 
It's because I'm sending personal videos. I send personal videos on my phone, recording it, and I send it to them. So how right. has been your experience with personal videos? Uh, just on a side note, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't how has been your experience with video so far? Video has been great. I mean, um, it's just in a sense because no one, no, let me back up. Um, the video I do, so most people, I've seen, some people have sent me videos before, mm-hmm. but they are pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're like in like in their office. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, perfect. Every lighting is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, and it's very fake. Okay. It sounds like, hi there. I'm Marcus. Just want to say thank you so much. I'm like, I'm like well, you, you're a robot, so I don't care, right? No, for me, like literally, I just, I just, I just send them like wherever I am. Mm-hmm. I send them a video, no pitch, just provide value for them. Authentic and natural. Yeah, and I'll and I'll get between eight to forty leads a day, right? That's great. Right. Now, not yep. all of them close, obviously. They're not all of them yeah. qualified, right? But still, um, the point is, I have a lead gen system, mm-hmm. right, that I've built, right? So, um, and, that's really, and that's really important, right? It's just, um, the thing is, the video itself is it's not so much what's important that I'm doing a video. Mm-hmm. What's important to understand is it's different. Yep. It stands out. Mm-hmm. And that's the key, right? Like, some of the deals I was like, you know, I'll get into these accounts, right? was because how I would deliver things to them would stand out that no one else would do. Mm-hmm. And as a result, that no one else would do it, they would appreciate the cleverness, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a pat, you, I'll do a pattern interrupt, which means it's something that it forces them to stop and pay attention. Yeah. And that's how you have to do it, right? But it, it has to connect and make sense, right? You can't just be like, ah, look at me, you know, let's talk. They don't care about that, right? So you have to do it in a way so that engage them, Get their attention. If you can get them to laugh, it's great. Humor is always great, but that takes mm-hmm. a certain skill, right? So, um, you know, whatever works, but it's got to be different to stand out. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Absolutely. So one of the things you mentioned uh, was customizing. Uh, I understand. So uh, if I have given 10 prospects a day or if I have like a very limited number of accounts, so I want to yeah. spend time to research about the person, know about the person, then customize the email. But uh, in reality, most salespeople have handle account like 30, 40 accounts at least. And every yeah. account has five or six people. So that yeah. gives you what, uh, 200, 300 people. Do you yeah. have any system in place that allows you to find information about the people, such as Google updates, maybe about yeah. the company? So do you have any hack or system in place? So that might be helpful. No, mine was very simple. Mm-hmm. Literally just typed into Google and searched them. That was it. Okay. So every well, time you... Would, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing though. So let's just say, for example, if I'm on a, if I'm on a call blitz, okay. Mm-hmm. That's when we dialing the mistake some people make is, and, and everyone's guilty of this is they do some research for like mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. and they make a phone call or write the email, mm-hmm. do some more research, then make a phone call or send an email. I would batch it instead. So I would take time outside of the time that I knew because to me, during my waking hours, like if it's, if it's like, you know, eight to five, seven to five, that's where I should be meeting with prospects and prospecting and calling and engaging with them. That's where like, whenever my CEOs are awake is a time I need to be trying to do my, do my best to work in that C-suite. Okay. So that means the other times, like if I need to before, before work or after work, I'm doing research. That's when I look, look it up in advance. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking at Google. I'm looking at Facebook. I'm looking at social media. I'm looking at their website. I'm looking at press releases. Anything relevant? I'm looking at LinkedIn, right? Anything that's relevant, that's that, that I can connect with, right? Like for example, like I mean, the the beautiful part about LinkedIn is, you know, and you can go on on there now and you can see everyone's activity, right? Yep. You can take a look and see, hey, you know what? This CEO is he's he constantly looks at, you know, all these things with. Uh, I don't know. Let's just say like, you know, Eric Thomas, you know, the motivational guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. All right. So now maybe your messaging you want to craft aligns with that. Right. Yep. Or your phone call or your email or your, or the message you can send on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Right. So now it's like, cause again, you're, you're hooking them, right. You're, you're capturing their attention, but I've been a little bit different. It takes a little time to do that, but it's, it's like, um, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, the mistakes some people make is like every day I'm just gonna hit hit numbers. I'm hitting numbers, and I'm gonna I'm gonna eventually get to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. You could do that, but that's like chopping vegetables, you know, and meats with a with a blunt knife. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna. It's gonna take you a lot longer. You you yeah. probably eventually get there, but if you if you know how to sharpen it, but you don't you don't like sharpen a little bit and then cut. Sharpen a little bit. No, no. Take the time. Get it really sharp. <laughs> do all your research, and then you go and you cut all the meats. And you prepare all the vegetables and you, you get it absolutely all prepared nicely so you can have better results. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so okay. Now I've managed to get a first step into the door. I get to have an appointment, maybe a call, a 15-minute demo, or whatever. What does a C-suite expect when I go there? What should I do? Yeah. So um, and this is where it's really important where you, 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 also be, you also want to set the expectation when you're in that meeting. Once mm-hmm. you're in there, you, you want to be very clear, okay? <clears throat> because here's the thing. Remember this. That you may have very low credibility there, okay? And mm-hmm. whether, this is, um, whether this is via Zoom or face-to-face, right? It's the same concept. You want to set the clear expectation of what's going to happen that day, okay? Now, so that, that's the number one, put their mind at ease, okay? And then the second thing you want to do is... You want to make sure, um, and this is more so not so for the demo. You, you want to make sure. Let me back up. The the concerns a C suite's going to have before they even really meet with you is number one: Are they a credible good company? Mm-hmm. Right? Are they going to um, minimize my like if I partner with them? What's my risk level? Mm-hmm. Are they going to solve a problem that I have? <laughs> and is there a good ROI with it? So your goals in that first meeting, right, is to be able to establish all that, right? Establish your expert, establish you know what you're talking about, establish that you want to know what's, what's wrong with what they have going on, and establish there's a way you can probably solve the problem, mm-hmm. okay? So that's really, really important. So minimize their risk, maximize their ROI. Right. That's all they want, they want to know, okay? Yeah. They're not, like, that's why when, when SDRs make phone calls, like, hey, let's just see if it's a good fit. Like, they don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. They don't care about that. They want to know, are you going to waste my time or not? Like they want someone to bring me a solution, not a problem. That's what they want to know. Right. So with that being said, let's say the very first meeting, right. is probably going to be a discovery meeting. Right. So yep. really in that meeting, or if it's via zoom, 80% of the time you as a sales professional are asking questions and really the company is most important for the CEO or any other stakeholders that part of that meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. But what's really important to understand is those four decision makers I mentioned or four types of decision makers, mm-hmm. you want to uncover what's important for every single one because each of them has different needs. Yeah. 
So this way, just by asking a really good question and uncovering how it all lines together and also qualifying at the same time to make sure, hey, you might, because you might uncover, you know what? We only have three of the people there. There's five other people that have to be there too. Okay. That'll establish the next steps and what you need to do to bring those other th- five people in. And then from there, then you're, you're, you're crystal clear for the next one. So next meeting. So let's say, for example, now you're in a demo. Okay. If you're in a demo now, your goal is to establish that your, your solution will solve their problem. That's your number one priority, right? Like, it basically, you, what you, if you think about it from a simplicity perspective, you're just going to elim, eliminate their risk, right? Yeah. Eliminate their risk of making a bad decision. Yeah. Prove that you are, what, you, what, you, what your product is going to do is going to deliver, right? And get them the ROI they want. And that's what's really important. And, and depending on them, you should have uncovered that up front, mm-hmm. right? If you uncover the pain points are maybe you sell software, and maybe right now they're spending so much time on data entry and your software can save them 20%. Well, that demo better, better, better show 20% in reduction in inefficiencies, right? Fair enough. So you need a way to show and prove them so it becomes a no-brainer. Okay. So minimize the risk, maximize the ROI, ask good questions, That's it. discover the problem. Yeah. That's it. Very simple. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, so at Bentley, you work with a lot of companies, am I right? Yep. Uh, so what is the number one mistake you see sales rep make when selling, pitching to C-suite? Yeah, I, I think the, the number one mistake I see with the sales reps is they're not really well organized and don't have a good system. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that's, and that's everything, right? Like when you're, when you're selling to C-suite, they judge everything you do. Okay. Like if you, like, if you aren't good at following up with email, if you're not responsive, if you don't call them back, or you don't set clear next steps in the process, they don't like that. Mm-hmm. Like they 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 want they you remember you get minimize their risk, right? And you, and with that, like if you have a rookie rep who's going in there, they're not usually organized. Mm-hmm. So they kind of go to me, they take some notes, they don't do a good job making sure it's updated in the CRM. They're not well prepared for the next call. Mm-hmm. You know, they're setting up meetings, but there's no agenda of why they're sending a meeting them. Yep. So for, here's a good example, right? So let's say they have a, a, a good discovery call, right? So they do a good job in the meeting. And then they say, hey, let's, let's also get back together next week, Thursday, 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. The decision maker says, sure, that sounds good. Because now they like and trust them. But what's going to happen Thursday at 8? That sales rep may not have an idea. Yep. They, maybe they expect that um, they're going to present something, like maybe pricing, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe the C-suite expects to, to, for a demo. Yeah. So it becomes misaligned. I, actually, I can I visualize it happening. Yeah, you ended yeah. the meeting. I did a sales call. Great. It went great. So let's catch up next week. Yeah. Wait, what am I going to talk about next week? Right. Right. So, and, and, that's, and that's, a, that's a very, because, and, and the rep is on a high. They're like, oh, yeah. I did, I, I did a great job. It was awesome. We're going to get this deal. But then you get to that meeting and they're like, and because I've been there with the rep, I'm like, hey, so what are we doing today? They're like, oh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to close them today. Okay, great. So um, do they know they're going to be closed? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> well, do they expect we're coming in today with a contract to sign them up? They're like, mm-hmm. well, no, like, is there, does legal need to get involved? <laughs> like, yeah. are, there, are there anybody else? And they're like, well, I don't think so. And of course, lo and behold, you go in the meeting, right? And you're meeting with this board and all these people and they're like, 
No, there's still like 19 more steps we got to move. Like, <laughs> so it's being crystal clear. It's like, okay, you know what? Tell you what. So um, let's get back together. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you over a sample agreement just so we can get through legal uh, this afternoon. So your job is get that through legal. Uh, can you make sure it's done by Thursday? Yes. Perfect. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a demo for Thursday at 8 o'clock. All right. We'll put the demo there. Right. And can you also make sure, you know, A, B, and C are also at that meeting as well? Hmm. Perfect. So you work on that. You make sure those three people are there. You get that to the, you get, that, you get the, the agreement through legal. And I'll be here at 8 o'clock. And our goal is I want to show you the value in the program and, and a live demo. And then from there, if you like it, we'll go through all the pricing that same day. And then we can set another time to take care of the paperwork. Does that sound good? So now it's crystal clear what you're going to do and they're going to do. And now if you want to be super pro, you send me an email after. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. Here's what we uncovered. Boom, 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 boom. Here's what we're going to do next. Boom, boom, boom. Right. And we'll see this, this next week. This is our objective. Now, it may not be that fast for the two means, but you get my point of every step. They know exactly what's going to happen. And so do you. They're aligned versus ones like this. Yep. I've seen that too. So, but it takes a certain personality. You have to be, you have to be on your game for that. Like you can't be sloppy with it. So, uh, Michael, you've been a, a regional director yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. And now you found out. So, when you see an organization struggling with sales, yeah. What is the first thing you would advise or ask a director or a VP to look at right away? Yeah. So the first thing I, I, want, I want to look at is I want to see, first off, what, what are their insights, right? Like, what are they, why do they see, like, where do they anticipate, if they are struggling, why are they struggling, okay? Mm-hmm. Usually, it falls in a couple of buckets. Usually, number one, high turnover, right? Mm-hmm. If you have high turnover, it's, turnover is a growth killer, right? It's very hard to um, grow at a high level um, and very quickly if you have constant turnover. Right? It's a, it, you have to churn, right? Yep. It's also really bad for customer, customers as well. Right. So it's bad for customer success. It's bad for customers. And if these reps are working these deals partial way through SMB to C-suite, I mean, those balls are getting dropped. Like no one's picking those balls up. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first things that you use most commonly. Hey, do you have high turnover? Right. Mm-hmm. Next is what's causing turnover. OK. And it can be obviously multiple two different things. Right. But usually it's, it's high, one of the things I see as most common is lack of training, mm-hmm. right? Lack of training is usually also a big, big, like big problem too, right? When you think about this, I think of a sales organization, it's very similar to a sports team, all right? So number one, do you have the right players, okay? So once you have the right players, do you have the tools and resources, mm-hmm. right? And if you, once you have tools and resources, do you have ongoing support? So what that means for a sales organization is things that they, they probably want to look at is number one, are we hiring the right people? If you're hiring wrong, that's a huge issue to sell, okay. right? So that's, that's important, right? So for example, if you're hiring people, their only job, and let's just say, for example, your organization only sells to like, say, C-suite. If you're hiring people that have only worked as a, as a cook in the kitchen, they're probably not going to be successful mm-hmm. because you have them jump such a big jump into selling large accounts, right? So Having people that have done the job successfully is very important if that's what you're looking for, right? And then after the, after the requirements are really t- uh, broken down, number two, is there a good hiring in, or is there a good training and development uh, onboarding process? Mm-hmm. So when they start, are you giving them the tools to be successful? 
not assuming they're gonna walk in great, but giving them the tool to be successful, right? So you're minimizing their risk, okay? And then from there, number four, ongoing training and development. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes you'll see high turnover, like, you know, if someone's leaving, they might be maybe, maybe for more money, but usually they're like, hey, well, I'm not learning anything. I'm not getting better, mm-hmm. right? So we get the churn machine, right? So uh, that's, and that's a system thing, right? That's a system thing. You can't just be like, oh, okay, we're gonna train really well this one class that gets hired, but the next class you don't train at all. So it's really important, right? And then from there, there should be developmental path. Most, most of the time, those reps don't want to be rep forever, mm-hmm. yep. right? So maybe it's like, you know, SDR, SDR manager, or SDR to AE, et cetera, right? So let's just say, like, they, they, you, you, they have some sort of developmental path that you follow, right? Yep. And there's training for them, all right? I think it's because true for the, every profession. Uh, because 100%, yeah. 100%. But for some, for some reason, like, why, what baffles me is like the people that are supposed to bring the revenue in, mm-hmm. right? The face of the company. Yep. Most of them are not given tools, right? Yep. That's actually that's why I created my company because um, in, my, in, in my last role, every year I would hire 20 to 30 people a year, okay? Mm-hmm. At a large org, right? So I have 20, 30 people a year. Out of the 20 to 30, that meant I would interview about 100 people, right? Mm-hmm. The 20 to 30 are the best out of the 100, mm-hmm. right? What I covered the 20 and 30 that I brought on, most of them didn't have much training. Mm-hmm. They just became naturally good at sales, a natural mm-hmm. born salesperson, if you will, right? I actually was terrible at sales when I started, okay? Huh. So yeah, I, I had to figure it out, right? So, um, but most of them don't have training. And then everyone else, they don't have training. So I saw a major gap in it when people will come in, I'm like, they need training. Mm-hmm. If I can fill that gap, it's, it's a huge opportunity, right? Now, um, the other piece that's also really important for organization is most of them are not properly developing their managers. Okay. So the managers, they think about this, the managers are the ones who are going to develop the reps. That's so, cool. right. So, yep. so, and typically the ones who become managers are the best reps, right? <laughs> so, but the, if, you're, if you're a great salesperson, that doesn't mean you're going to be a great, uh, a great manager. Yep. So different skills. So, and the thing is, if you don't have, if you don't develop the managers, they're not going to develop the reps. <laughs> so you have this, this bad cycle where, hey, good rep who eventually makes it, and then they become a manager. They don't have the tools to win and teach people how to win. So then they turn over, and then you have this bad cycle like this, right? right. Versus if you can train up front, provide the tools and resources, mm-hmm. train the managers well, and make it ongoing, it becomes this nice cycle, right? They, 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 they go more like this, mm-hmm. right? They get promoted, they, they, they build on, they build on, they build on, right? But it starts with having good hires, having really good training, ongoing training, train the managers, right? So it, it's a system thing that if they build that, that's how they can do it. I took my sales organization, uh, when I first became a director, we ran about 35, 40% turnover. Mm-hmm. I took it down to 17% a year, okay? By putting processes in place, just like that, mm-hmm. to minimize it. So that's a very long answer to your question. Uh, it makes sense because uh, hiring, then training and development, as you said, uh, because it's not just necessarily training the people to do the job, but once you, they become a manager, yep. they don't have the skills for the manager. Then. Right. Yeah. Train right. them to be managers so that in turn, they can train the people. It does. That's sense. right. Uh, the next one is, yeah. So uh, when you're selling seven figure deals, yep. it is not going to be the same as, uh, or maybe a lesser value sales where the sale values, especially in SaaS, if you take, uh, the sale value is not that huge, but when you go for a seven figure, how does it make a difference? 
how do you shorten the sales cycle um yeah yeah how do you convince the buyer especially when you're meeting them for the first time yeah yeah i mean it's it's just it's everything simpler for a small deal <laughs> like, yeah i mean everything from um navigating the actual sales cycle shorter right mm-hmm. uh, for a small deal versus a large deal right mm-hmm. um even um implementation of it right mm-hmm. like implementation and it kind of depends right because like for example like in my in my past like we were physically installing things and it'd be it would be at, it would be everywhere right it'd be different locations what is like one big operation it'd be like oh here's 50 sites that we have to go and change exxon right so um you know it's it's it is more rewarding right selling large accounts is way more rewarding right um but there's also a lot more that can go wrong you know there's just way more intricacies um, et cetera, right? And also, it's interesting too. Is like when you're si- signing up a very small business, like on the lower end, it's interesting where a lot of times when you're working with like the in the the C-suite, et cetera, most of them are pretty smart. They're pretty savvy, right? I mean, they got there for a reason, and uh, the most most of time they're actually relatively understanding. You know, as long as you over communicate, some of these small businesses, some of them are just unreasonable. They just, they just, they want the world for nothing, right? Like, <laughs> like it's a tiny little account. They're like, they want everything. But like the big account, like, that makes sense. They see the value in paying more. They see the value in a, a quality product or service, right? Mm-hmm. And they also can afford it, right? They also know, you know what? It might cost me more to use a service and program. However, the benefits are much bigger, right? They understand the bigger picture more. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a big difference, right? I mean, just yeah. that. Um, the number of decision makers are are way more in a, a large account to the point where sometimes they, they don't even know who's involved, yeah. you know, depending on, and I've been there where we're just navigating through and different people keep popping up like, oh, we need about this person now. And then this like, oh, shoot. Like, so we're, we're you know, we're being scrappy, bringing other people in to, to navigate that process um, because it got more complex as we got deeper into it. And that happens too. It just happens, you know. What do you think are the skills necessary for uh, safe professionals, um, especially when they're going into enterprise deals? What do they need to develop, or any sales? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, this is going to apply obviously to any sales, but it really matters a lot more to um, to especially really big deals. Is uh, you know, except like you know, enterprise sales is they want to work with a professional, mm-hmm. like. A lot of them, if you picture this, right, like a lot, a lot, when you get into that level, a lot of them, for example, mm-hmm. will outsource everything in their life. Okay. For a reason, because they're, they're, they know their time is worth it. Okay. So like, for example, like if you picture like a, uh, you know, someone in the C-suite, they usually have, you know, they usually have someone taking care of their lawn for them. They pay mm-hmm. them, they pay that. They usually have someone clean their house to take care of that. They may have even someone cook for them. Right. Mm-hmm. They may have a nanny for their kids. Right. They may pay for extra help. So uh, they, they, they're comfortable with that, right? But they want a professional because they know they're paying for that. That applies to the vendors they choose. Like if they're working as a sales professional, salespeople in general get a really bad reputation. So you want to be like professional, but likable, right? And just be always be on your game. And that, that's every little detail, okay? So from how you look in that first meeting, they're going to judge you, all right, from how you care. If it's a face-to-face meeting, from how you dress to how you shake their hand to um, 
even when your notepad, like all if if it looks if it looks like you're just like you know a big mess, that's them thinking, ooh, if they can't seem to get their own act together, how will the installation of X Y Z go right? So that professionalism, and that's that just gets controllable, right? That's why you you want to look the part, act the part, etc. And then you also want to be the expert. If constantly they're asking you questions and you're like, oh, I got, I got to get back to you, I get back to you. It's okay to, to not know all the answers, but if it's clear you don't know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. they don't like that either. Is it true? I, I wouldn't like, buy from someone who didn't know. What yeah, you know about. yeah. And, and, and it magnifies larger deal, right? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, hold on. So you want to replace all my computer systems and servers but you don't have a bit, you, you don't understand, you don't know what the RAM is or whatever. Alan, let's make something up. Like, yeah. You don't know what this is. Like, okay. So th- the risk just went up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so every time you have a little, the risk level starts raising back up, right? Like before they meet with you, the risk level is like this, pretty high. And the first meeting, hopefully you're bringing this risk down. Mm-hmm. Right. But sometimes you're not careful, it goes like this. Right. So that's where it's really, really important, right? Uh, and then you, so you want to be the expert, right? You, you want to know what you're talking about, right? And you want to have the resources to solve the problem, right? And you have to be responsive. Yeah, it's true because like, uh, when I'm making a purchase, I'm equally nervous because I, I'm handling the company's accounts and I'm paying someone for it and I better make sure it is worth it. So I'm yeah. equally nervous because I want to make sure I choose the right product. I don't want to go back after two or three months and I yes. end up choosing another vendor. So it's all about coming down to minimizing the risk and maximizing the Yeah, at the end of the day, right? I mean, like usually it's just it, it's it's so different when you when you make a big purchase, mm-hmm. you are usually more careful, right? Like, and because usually it's a long lasting purchase, mm-hmm. like it's gonna be for a while. So you know, like if it's software, that could be five, ten years, depending on whatever it is, right? So they don't want to keep changing because they know depending the bigger the deal, right? The more the longer the harder the change usually, right? Like it could take a lot of work. So they don't want to do that, right? So for example, like my last company, like we were going through a software change. We were going to SAP, mm-hmm. right? And man, it it, it it takes multiple years, right? And I sure as heck no, I'm sure the CSU does not want to make another change again. <laughs> like <laughs> this is taking a long time. Like they don't want to keep changing. It, it, it's because yeah. it's, it's disruptive for the business, right? Because you want to solve problems or remove problems from, you don't want to give, don't give them problems, remove problems. Uh, this is one question I also personally have because how to be persistent with, without being annoying? Yeah. So uh, the key is, is uh, you want to be of value. That's really important. Okay. And that's, that's a really overdone word. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think it's really important where you want to be known as the expert. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So, you know, I was working on this client, which I ended up getting. A, it's a very nice, nice client for me, right? For my business. And um, the, the mistakes that people make is like, they just call every day. Hey, 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 how are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? Can we move? Can we move? Can we move? Like, no, nah, it doesn't work that way, right? So you want to be of value to them. So it's like, it's different things, right? So there's a couple of things that I do. You know, for example, like, you know, I produce content for LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? So if something is of value, if you notice, everything I write about is for salespeople and sales leaders. Yep. Right. So right there, automatically, I'm creating content that's of value, so I can easily repurpose any of that to present it over to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for example, like I have one client right now. It's an individual client, 
and uh, I'm helping them guide them and coach them through uh, finding a new job, et cetera, right? And getting promoted. I had done a post recently, right? And I'm sharing that with her, right? Hey, it's about how to get promoted. Here's 10 things you got to do. She's like, immediately, wow, thank you. That's so, so, so much value there. Mm-hmm. So same concept. What, like, what type of value, like, uh, what type of like issue do they have that you can provide some value to take care of, mm-hmm. right? And it depends, and it needs to align with your solution, all right? That could be an article. That could be, maybe it's a book, mm-hmm. right? It should never just be, hey, just checking in, just checking yeah. in. That, that, that doesn't really, like, they don't really care about that, right? And, and the thing is, like, what's interesting is, like, I'll give you another example, right? That same, same uh, different client. It was her birthday, right? So while well, still working on this process, right, LinkedIn told me it was her birthday, right? So I sent her a personal video message wishing her happy birthday. My kiddo was in the picture, in the video, too. He thought, he thought it was funny, right? Okay. Now, instantly, that just broke down the walls. Right. So she's like, she, she immediately messages back, wow, no one ever sent me a video message like that with their kiddo, you know? So now, like, it, that, that's a little different type of value there. I'm, 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 I was nurturing the personal side of the relationship, okay? Yep. But my point is, is do not just reach out to reach out. Provide a reason to reach out, right? Provide value of some sort. Maybe you have a webinar coming up that's going to provide some value for your customer. That's a great way to provide value, right? Is it an article that's been written, right? Or maybe it's from some, somewhere else that's very relevant to them, right? So like, for example, maybe like, let's just say maybe after the discovery meeting, right? And you're lo- they kind of they ghost you, but they disappear. But one of the things they talk about how there's so much, maybe they're, they're, they're new, like, you know, CFO in a company, there's so much change going on, all right? And you also uncover when you're in their office, you see in their office, they're a big, big, uh, big book reader. All right. So then you cover, okay, you find, you find a really good book about change management, right? You know, like, you know, turn the ship around or something like that. It doesn't matter. So, so you have a handwritten note and you FedEx that package over to them. Now you're adding value. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Cause now, now you can add two touch points to that. Send the mailer. Then you get a phone call. Okay. And even an email. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's you know, three touch points, right? So maybe you say, say you send a package today. Mm-hmm. They should get started by Wednesday, right? Use it to send them a quick phone call on Friday. Mm-hmm. If they haven't heard back, shoot them an email Monday. Mm-hmm. So now you're just like, you're, 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 you're adding reasons to follow up. That's not just arbitrary. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, so you have to be constantly on the look, look out for ways to connect any subtle cues. You can look at their LinkedIn profile. 100%. Yeah. It makes 100%. sense. 100%. It basically, it just picture like, um, uh, there's a great saying, I, I did count the same, but it's like, you can't close a sale mm-hmm. without opening a relationship, right? Yep. So if you open the relationship with them, and that's really important, right? Because most of them look a little more resistant normally. So you want to be cognizant of different things when you're working with them. Anything that's going to be like, oh, you know what? And it doesn't have to be, a, maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a guess. Like, you know what? I think they have kids. Like, okay. Uh, you know, a quick video with my kids with, in the video, they may enjoy it. Now, you, you have to kind of gauge it depending on how, you, you don't want to be weird about it, right? So you have to like mm-hmm. read the prospect, you know, so it's not, they don't feel uncomfortable with it, you know? So it's, that's important too. Good. And, and as you mentioned, even the small things go a long way when you're building a relationship. 
it takes what 30 seconds one minute to do a video but the effort you put in it and willing to go that extra mile actually become easy fruit right yeah so I'll give me an example right so uh, and actually um I'm a post about this coming out soon but I had this prospect that I was I was um we were really we were engaging really well like I mean we were you know vibing like great meeting we had multiple meetings um they came out to a tour of you know how we're going to service them and do all this stuff and we were engaging back and forth and they were very responsive like if I call if I miss it they call me right back by texting me texting back I mean it was awesome <laughs> so they disappear on me we hadn't closed the deal yet well, I'm like this is so strange right I'm like this is like I thought we were like almost like almost friends it felt like right so and they just disappear so of course you know I call I email mm-hmm. I drop by I text nothing this is over multiple weeks right I even uh, brought over like a, a gift to, to to open the doors because again I'm not just showing up I'm providing a reason I think it was like Halloween so I brought like Halloween candy right mm-hmm. so it's fun and and uh no response so then I was like, you know, I'm gonna try a little different approach, right? Because I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of worried, right? Like, like as a, if we were friends, if my friend did that, I would be worried. Exactly. So I just sent them a note, hey, I just, I just want to check in. Is everything okay? You know, I just haven't heard from you. Well, let me know how I can best help you, Marcus. They call me a week later, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm super sorry that I, I just been, I've actually been like really sick. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, like I haven't been like, you know, like in the business, I'm actually working to sell the business, mm-hmm. but thank you so much. Like, you know, like I've had a lot of salespeople reach out to me, but you're the only person who actually was like, Hey, are you okay? Right. So that was a different approach there. Right. Mm-hmm. Now we didn't end up getting the business cause they were selling it. Right. But we got the new, uh, the new, uh, you know, owners, it wasn't a C, so it was still a good size account, but the new owners, we ended up, uh, you know, securing that partnership because he was like, hey, he referred us and he, he, he got us in the door, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the point is, is um, I was being human there. I was doing a different approach. I wasn't just trying to close, close, close. I was just being real and genuine. At the end of the day, yeah. people, people, people strive for a human connection. They strive for it. So provide that for them. Whether you sell or not, at the end of the day, if you, the basic, you've been with the person, like you've been in touch with this person, you've spoken for a long time, at the end of the day, if you just care, yeah, it goes a long way. That's it. Yeah, there's um, um, there's a uh, you know, you probably heard have heard of the golden rule. The golden rule. Uh, this is no, I, I'm not sure what you're referring to. Yeah, it's, it's like you know, like it's, it's like you know, like it's a, the golden rule is treat people how you want to be treated, right? Okay. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yep. Yeah, 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 and that's, that's very common, right? Now, there's a platinum rule: treat people how they want to be treated. Okay. Right. So that, with that being said, put yourself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. How do you want to be approached to get the deal, right? Hmm. Okay. So it gets you thinking that way, right? So now it's like, okay, I think a little bit differently. Like, if it was, if, if I were them, what I want? How would how would someone stand out? How could someone get in the door and like not be weird, not cross the line, mm-hmm. but really get my attention, right? So I'll give you an example. Good example, right? The first time I saw the video thing on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Someone did to me. Only one person had done, done, done to me as an intro. This guy, mm-hmm. Edward Zia. I still remember him, right? Because he was trying to get me to buy his other program. But I was so impressed with that, that I listened, of course. Because like, mm-hmm. I was like, that was different. And then I'm, I'm going to say you the same technique personally, right? Mm-hmm. So um, at, at the end of the day, that's, that's all it is, right? It was different and he stood out. So, you know, he's human. Brilliant. Uh, just a last couple of questions. Uh, 
So you talked about hiring and you mentioned that you want to hire people with the right experience. Apart from that, uh, what are the things um, companies or directors or VPs or managers should look for when they're hiring their team? Like yeah. The one, two, three things. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things, first off. <laughs> so um, it, it depends on the, the sales level they're selling for, right? So having that proven track record is also very, very important, okay. right? Um, that, that's really key. Um, typically, like if they have they had experience selling the industry, that can that can be good or bad. It doesn't mean like because they may have some bad habits, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you'd be very careful with that, right? Um, I like the proven track record in the B two B sales environments, cool. um, team environments, right? Um, usually competitive. I like them to be. I mean, me personally, I'm professional, right? Culture fit, team player, right? Um, but the number one thing I always look for is coachability. Mm-hmm. Coachability. Like if they're coachable, I can do a lot with that, right? I, I mean, I, if I take someone in that has a lot of sales experience and they're great, but they're not coachable, it won't mm-hmm. matter, right? If I, if I take someone with a little bit less, but they're willing to um, adjust and tweak and pivot, I won't lead them wrong, all right? I won't lead them wrong. Like I will guide them to be massively successful, right? I'll give you an example, right? So, you know, I had this, uh, this one rep. Very successful, right? And she, uh, before she came, before I hired her on, and she had about 30 plus years of sale experience, okay? Her best income year is about $120,000 a year, all right? Her first year, based on me, based on her coachability, mm-hmm. she made 180 grand. So she made $60,000 more Extra, yeah. by just adjusting and tweaking, right? So mm-hmm. uh, by being coachable, right? You know, and that's, that's just it. If you are coachable, you, you can overcome a lot of things. Exactly right? for a person with 30 years experience. That's great. Yeah. So that's really important. So, that, and, and that's where, what, uh, that's important. And second, what's also really important is you want to make sure people are, are going to be a culture fit for your team. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I learned something great a long time ago from a boss, a boss of mine. She said, um, I was interviewing someone and I, I really liked them. And she asked me one question because I, I was on the fence a little bit about her. And she said, um, well, Hey, um, let me ask you this, Marcus. I'm like, what are they? She's like, are they better than you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, no, but they could be. I'm like, then she's like, I didn't ask you if it could be. Like, are they better than you? I'm like, no, they're not. They're like, don't hire them. And that's a good barometer, right? Because if you want to take your team to the next level, then that, that, that only depends if you want to build a high performing sales org. If you want to be the, build a mediocre sales org, you can hire whoever you want. But the key is if you, if you have a mindset of whoever you hire, if they are better than you or better than the best hire, that will take your organization and skyrocket it, right? Yep. And then obviously, I like loyal people too because you can build a thriving business of loyalty mm-hmm. versus you can't have inconsistent people. You don't want that. You want you want that's your brand, right? That's right. your that's your you don't you don't want different reps calling the same prospect over and over. That's mm-hmm. not good. It's bad for business. Yeah. No. Yeah. Actually, I, I didn't think of that. Yeah. When you keep changing your people, there's always a different person calling the client, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. I was like, oh, well, I met with Bobby last year. Like, oh, I met with so. Like, and of course, Bobby didn't do a good job updating CRM, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, like, you don't, you don't know, right? So you don't want that. So you really want consistency because that is terrible for customers to get the same calls over and over. They hate it. Yep, you're right. Uh, so you mentioned about CRM. So uh, that brings me to what are the tools you said uh, you need to equip the sales professionals with the right tools and develop. Uh, in terms of tools, what are the tools do you think it is must have for the sales professional? Especially yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty simple, right? And there are so many um, sales and net enablement tools now. And In fact, there are 600 plus, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, plus yeah. I don't know. Most of them are, right? And here's the thing, like prospects know when they go into a sequence. Okay. <laughs> like, you're not fooling anybody, okay? Like, and I've seen it. I, I've been, I, I'm like, because I've been in them as a sales director, right? Like, I have a lot of responsibility and I would get people trying to sell me their AI. I'm like, I, I'm literally like, you just sent me a breakup email. Like, no one cares about a breakup email. That's stuff, mm-hmm. it's a bunch of baloney, okay? So, <laughs> um, at, at the end of the day, um, we have to keep things simple, all right? You have to keep things really simple. I think number one, you need to have a good CRM system, okay? okay? And, and what I mean by that is, is the data is obviously important. And, and, and this is my opinion. I view a CRM system different than most people. Mm-hmm. Most people view a, a CRM as a prospecting tool. I view it as an organizational tool, mm-hmm. right? I view it as a place where you take the data you collect and you put it inside there. Mm-hmm. And you help manage the data in your sales process, mm-hmm. right? So it's really important to me. Like, you need a place to control and dump your brain into. So you always know where deals are on the pipeline and how can you navigate it and make sure you, you keep organized for all the stakeholders in the account. You really need that, okay? Um, you need a phone and a laptop, and that's all you need. Okay. Like, simple as that. so simple, right? Because here's the reality. There is so much AI out there, like, and I've seen it where it's like, you know, like, it looks great, right? And I, and I laugh. I'm not going to say the names of the companies, right? But many of them end in .io, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll talk about how great all their stuff is, mm-hmm. right? But then they have SDRs in the bullpen, and guess what they're doing? Calling. They're just calling. <laughs> They're doing the exact same, right? Yeah. Like they're just calling, mm-hmm. and they also have the same bad data that they bought from. I don't want to say who they bought. They, they, so <laughs> it's the same. I'm like, there are people who are out there just calling, and I see it, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I see it. Like I'm like because at the end of the day, they know it's hard. They're doing calls, they're doing emails, and yes, there's some cool things that can help maybe keep you more organized for mm-hmm. sure, right? But it changes so quickly. Right, that I, I don't know. I don't know what the best one is out there anymore. Right, so I, I've seen a few, but yeah. at the end of the day, you just have to be. You have to be great at prospect. If you want to be great at sales, you need to be really great at prospect. Okay, that's really key. Okay, those tools help you stay more organized. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now I have to ask you this: tips sure. for prospecting. Yeah, tips for prospecting. Okay, yeah. so what, kind of, what, kind of, what kind of tips would you like? I, I got plenty of tips. Right, uh, yeah. something quick. Uh, in the sense, uh, okay, I'll go one channel, channel after channel. Yeah. Emails, do's and don'ts. What are the do's? Okay. So for emails, okay, here, here are the do's. Mm-hmm. Um, keep them short. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of wordy text. Okay. Be very crystal clear with exactly why you're emailing. Got it. Like, like I had ones where it's a whole pitch. Don't do a pitch. Mm-hmm. Right. And personalize it. That's. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a very simple, and it's kind of the same thing with link, LinkedIn emails, kind of same concept, okay? Like, don't send over like a, a, like, a, like a brochure in the first email. Like, don't pitch them anything. Don't, don't make it canned. Make it personal to them, right? And if you can be, and this is where, this is kind of a tricky one because you have to have really good emotional intelligence. If you can be funny in there, mm-hmm. great. 
But if if it, if it's if you can't be funny, don't do it. Like don't try to. <laughs> okay. So that's that's huge, right? And the don'ts are kind of the opposite. The don'ts are really like don't have a really long, lengthy email, right? Like don't just don't just try to pitch this whole thing. Um, don't try awkward awkward like jokes in there, mm. right? Uh, don't make it canned, right? They're basically the opposite. And like don't just like email like email them every day. You know, hoping they'll respond. Like, oh, I'm gonna go for a ten percent open rate. Like, okay. nobody cares about that. Right. LinkedIn. So, how? What are the do's and don'ts? So, for LinkedIn, so the the in the uh, messaging about this, this is very similar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Same concept applies. Okay. Um, typically, like you can use in mails. Like some people use sales and have the in mails, um, but those are very much like a cold email. So people are very resistant already. Right. So, uh, same thing with personalization. Same thing. Now. Um, I think what's good to, good to talk about is how do you use your profile to generate leads, right? Okay. And that's, that's more of a long game, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the end of the day, like, so if they, if they get a message, like when I get a message, right, and I don't know the person, mm-hmm. what do you think the first thing I do is after, after I read the email or the email, go, what do you think I do? Go and check on LinkedIn profile. That's it, that's it right? If the profile looks weird or like just not that impressive, mm-hmm. like, whatever. Right. So, um, is your profile optimized to get you leads and attract your prospect? Really important. Okay. So, like everything from your history, if they've seen you job hop from like 10 SDR jobs, they're probably not giving you time of day. They're probably not. Right. I mean, they're just like, whatever. Like, they're selling this today. Six months from now, they're going to sell something else. Right. Yeah. That's not good. So you want to make sure, um, you know, you have a clean profile, mm-hmm. professional image, you know, professional headshot, right? Or some some decent, uh, what whatever's be relevant to them on your on your um, profile. It, it's always nice if you have sample things in there that can really showcase some of your work, depending on whatever it is, right? Um, and then there's the, the content piece. All right, what type of content are you producing, right? And that's a more of a long game, and not many salespeople are going to think that way. But I found the ones who think that way are the ones who are successful, right? Yeah. So, for example, um, you ever heard of uh, Daniel Disney? Uh, no. Okay, so uh, he wrote. Uh, so uh, you ever seen like the the LinkedIn group called the Daily Sales? It's like funny memes and stuff, right? So, 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 anyway, so he 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 uh he put a lot of content up when he was working on the company, right? And then from there he ended up like securing deals off that, right? For mm-hmm. when he looked for somebody else. Okay. I used to do the same thing, but I, I used it as a recruiting tool, right? But same concept, but my content was produced for the right people. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, let's just say, let's just say maybe um, you sell a, a software for HR. I'm just making something up, okay? Mm-hmm. That means you're some of your posts, like picture like, okay, if, if my target market is going to be, let's call it the like, you know, Vice President of Human Resources, mm-hmm. whatever, right? Um, what are their biggest problems they run into every day? And what type of content can I create for them that will get them interested? Good. Right? And that can be articles, long-form posts, et cetera. And then from there, then this way, you become established as the expert. All right? I'll give you an example, okay? So um, my profile, I've only been really, I mean, my, in my prior role, I was active on LinkedIn. I would maybe post one article a month, max, uh, about sales, 
The rest of the time, I had posts maybe every twice a month on just recruiting people, right? But it was more so like, it'd be like a picture of like a, a team event and people were like, oh, that's really cool. And I'm like, hey, pull out here. I only started actively using LinkedIn for my business in uh, September, mm-hmm. right? And from there, my growth has really been growing like this, okay? And I've been posting every single day content designed to help salespeople and sales leaders. Mm-hmm. Didn't get any leads at first, which I knew would happen. And over time, it started just trickling up. Now it's like more and more and more and more and more, right? Because my content is designed to help salespeople. Yeah. And now they're adding me proactive and they're reaching out intentionally. Business like these, like you know, VP of sales, sales director, they all reached out to they're adding me because mm-hmm. they see that because now I'm slowly establishing myself and I know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, really cool and very, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And then from there, I'm converting them into leads and then also to future clients or clients right now. So it's a little bit of a longer game. But utilizing the tool of LinkedIn as a way to get leads for my business mm-hmm. and a salesperson should do the same thing, but they shouldn't be posting spammy things. Right. They want to be like, hey, listen, if you want some time to talk about, um, you know, like XYZ HR software, come talk to me. No, they don't care. They don't care. Right. However, if they were writing an article that was like, you know, like uh, 10 things you're not thinking about that really impacts your business if you choose a bad HR software provider. Now that's useful, mm-hmm. yep. right? So that's those are things that you want to think about for how do you like, utilize LinkedIn to get more leads. So does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. Create valuable content, uh, have the audience in mind and keep up with it until you get traction. That's it. Uh, that's it. The last one, uh, phone calls. What do I open with? What do you open with? Yeah, so uh, is it a gatekeeper or is it the decision maker? Decision maker, so I'm um so my style is different than most. I'm pretty okay. direct. Um, I get right to the point, okay. right? And I'm assuming number one, I know who to talk to, and number two, I at least relatively pre-qualify them, right? Okay. So uh, let me give the mistake that most people make, and I'll, I'll share my script. Most people say, "Hey, this is uh you know Marcus with uh you know ABC Software. Uh, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good. What, what do you want? Well, you know, hey, um." So, you know, I was just, I just want to see, uh, do you have any uh, problems with your software? I'd love to talk to you about that. No, we're good. Well, if I could save you money, would you be interested? No, we're good. Well, someone save money, help you at all? No, we're good. Hey, can we have a time? No, that doesn't work, right? They hate that, okay? That's like 90% of SDRs out there, right? Sound familiar, right? Yeah. So, change it. Right. So mine is very simple. Okay. And it frames up in a few different ways. Number one, I'm very simple and very direct. Number two, I provide a unique selling proposition. Number three, I provide social proof. And number four, I close, I close the question. Right? I close on date and time. Okay. So it sounds like this. So I call them, they answer. I say, you know, hey, John, it's Marcus with ABC HR software. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, the reason I'm calling today specifically is I'm currently working with. A, B, and C in your same industry providing HR software to help uh, save them time and save them money, whatever I want to say, right? Um, I'd love to set a time to discuss this with you because I know I called you out of the blue or set a time to meet with you. Do you have some time Thursday at 8 o'clock to meet for 20, 30 minutes? That's it. Notice the difference there? I cut all fluff out, Mm -hmm. right? Here's the reality. They're probably still going to give me an objection, and that's okay. 
So why waste all this extra fluff time trying to sell them when they're going to say no? So it gets right to the point. They know exactly why I'm calling now. And they know I can say yes or no to date and time. That's it. And then from there, I handle their objection to get, you know, get them set up. Okay, Marcus, uh, this would be the last question. Uh, sure. Wanna, you have been consistently in the top percentile in your company or wherever you worked at. What is the one key takeaway you want to give our readers who aspire to be the same sales? Yeah, so, uh, well, I, th- I think the, the big thing is um, always be learning. I mean, that's, that's really it, right? I'm always learning, just so you know, okay? So, and, and when you, when you want to be successful in, in anything, you have to be open-minded to know that you don't know it all. And it sounds kind of strange, but the mistake many people make is over time, they're like, oh, I, know, I already knew that. I'm good. I already know that. Well, you don't know it if you don't do it, right? So in any role I've been in, I've always had the mindset, how can I get a little bit better? I'm always open to learn, right? And that meant in any role I've been in, I'm constantly seeking out the people who are the best in that field, right? And picking their brain and just choosing a couple of things to try and do, mm-hmm. right? So, and that really takes, how does he take my game to the next level? And that's in any role I've been in, right? And what I find is as people become more tenured, they're less likely to do that. Sure. They kind of assume that they're the best in the game. I, I'm, I, I try to be humble as possible. I just realized I'm actually not that smart. There are people smarter than me, right? So I can learn from them. I'm always constantly learning, right? If I ever feel like I'm not learning, like for example, I used to do lead generation a little bit differently, right? And I'm, I'm even my business, I'm doing it different ways and it's been paying off. I'm learning new things about how to utilize social media in the next, in the next level. I, I was only just tapping the tip of the iceberg and I started learning like, oh, okay, here's how I can better craft my messaging on LinkedIn. Here's how I can better craft my messaging on this. Here's how I can better do this. Let me try it out. And if you have that mindset that you can always improve and learn in any sales role you're in, you're res- and so let me back up. It's not just learn, but do. Your results will skyrocket, right? And I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So I, I have this new client. I'm, I'm super pumped for him, right? So he actually, um, he, he attended one of my webinars and it, it's a killer free training. He jumped in my webinar and he, and he told me he's, he's always been like a good rep, right? And he took some of the stuff I shared on that webinar. He immediately did it that same week. He got an appointment with his account he'd been, he'd been struggling to get, get an appointment with. Utilize my scripting, my exact handling of objections, books the appointment, gets in there, closes it two calls later. He will make $32,000 by listening to two things I told him to do off his webinar. And honestly, he's a customer for life now, right? So he, he bought my other programs. And, and now, I mean, he told me he's like, his best year is $100,000. This year, he's going to break 200000 Right, he's looking to double his income. <laughs> like, <laughs> and all this you learned in an hour of an hour. Yeah. yeah, because because he was he was open minded to it, right? And the thing is, like I mentioned earlier, I was actually terrible at sales when I started, mm-hmm. but I learned little tweaks, little adjustments that, when done, can really add up, right? Yeah. And that's in anything. It's, just, it's like playing sports. If you're shooting basketball, if you change your angle just a little bit, you have a better shot, right? If you, if you put your weight in your foot, same, same thing. So um, if you want to be truly great in sales, be truly open to learn and do More and not give up. Yep. And then, you, then, you, then you'll have a success from there.
Uh, there you have it. Always be open to learning and most importantly, do it. Yes. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Marcus, for joining us. Thank you very much for all the insights you've given us and it's been wonderful having you at Limitless. Thank you very much from everyone at Hippo Video. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.